0: Um, I'm the jet-lagged Brit, so you'll have to forgive me at 7.15 in the morning. Um, Let me put your minds at rest straight away. Evangelism is not about you. It's not about you having a wonderful testimony. It's not about you having a million apologetic answers. It's not about you having the gift of the gab. It's not about you being able to dance around your Bible it's not about you being in work or young or vibrant the the lesson that we have learned immediately is that god builds his church it's not about you the power is in the word now the lord may well use the fact that you've got a brilliant testimony He may well use the fact that you do know your Bibles incredibly well. He may well use the fact that you've read John Lennox and all the other apologetic authors and have got lots of answers. But that will not convert people. What will convert people is the word. So if you don't believe me, have a look at the book of Acts, actually. If you look at uh, Paul, Paul has the best testimony any person is ever going to have. Does he major on his testimony? No, he doesn't. What Paul does is he goes to the, to the synagogues, he pulls the scriptures, he shows how the scriptures lead to Christ. It's all about Christ, and it always has been. Now, I became a Christian 50 years ago this January, 50 years on. So, yay, I've been a Christian 50 years. And for the majority of that time, I've sat through endless talks where we've all agreed we must take the gospel to our friends. What I never got asked was, did you know how? I mean, it's true, isn't it? We all sit there and nod, go, oh, yes, we must take the gospel to our friends. I absolutely agree with that. Do you know how? No. Well, now you've got the how, because there are more than 300,000 of these booklets which simply take John's gospel, break it down into a user-friendly format. I'll come back to this in a minute. Before I do so, I'm afraid it's time to get real. It's time, if you like, to get depressed. I need to quote a few authors to you. Here's the state that we are in, and I'm a businessman, and I therefore like facts. Is a quote from J.D. Greer's recent book. He's the youngest president of the U.S. Southern Baptist Convention. Here's what he says. For almost every 60 members of the U.S. largest Protestant denomination, there is only one new baptism a year. Does it really take 60 of us to lead one person to Christ? Christians across the denominational board just aren't sharing their faith. In one LifeWay study among North American Protestants, 78% of churchgoers said they had shared their faith with exactly zero people in the last six months. He goes on to say, changes in how we play church are not going to matter at all if we don't address the core problem. We're not making disciples who make disciples. Our churches have seen a seeker-sensitive revolution. Innovations in guest services, advances in technologies, great improvement in our worship experiences. But take a look at the disciple-making dial and it seems frozen. Sermons, books and podcasts are great. But certain dimensions of discipleship can only happen in the context of relationships. Disciples are formed by disciple-makers intentionally, personally, one soul at a time. There's just no shortcut. To which I would, of course, add, yes, if they don't introduce God's word, we're not going to get anywhere because God's word builds his church. Now, here's a shocker. Here in, in Sydney, I understand that the great, um, great reputation, Anglican churches of Sydney have flatlined the number of people now falling off the perch, which, if you're wondering, is an average age of 83, by the way. I was quite, I was quite interested to find out when. Uh, but uh, they fall off the perch at 83 now at the same rate that they're coming in the doors as new converts under the age of 40. Result? Zero growth. Back in the US, wait for it, this is a shocker, the Presbyterian Church website, suggests the drop-off under the age of 45 in the last five years a staggering 25.5%. Isn't that frightening? You know, in business, looking at such facts, we'd say there was quite some problem. Collectively, we face a huge issue... As church numbers decrease, as the under-40s become ever more biblically ignorant and churches viewed as increasingly socially unnecessary, irrelevant, a small set of of, uh, society. Now, don't get me wrong. My saviour is alive, active, and at work. In the UK, 10% of the churches are rocketing. Why? They're Bible-teaching churches. It's the 39% that aren't teaching the Bible that are in terminal decline. Well, what do the stats tell us? I suggest we've got to take a fresh look. How and where is the word being effectively shared today so that we see the birth of new Christians? And that is going to mean us being biblically armed as God's army. To take the word in a format that we can all share To where the ministry team, where the CBF guys can't go. To the unique circle of contacts that each and every believer has been given. Now I want to get personal. I want to take you from a guy who gets converted in his teens to a 51-year-old businessman who's a senior Christian executive. I was going to church as a wallet Christian. I actually thought I paid for people like the CBF staff in ministry. I was walking in the door like a Tesla. What do I mean? Well, I just made it back to the charging station. That's what I mean. I, you know, I, oh, woof. Survived another week. Please pull up the drawbridge of the castle behind me. I've come back to do the things that we Christians understand that they don't know out there. Here's my spiritual charging cable. Please plug me into the mains. I expect you to teach me well. I expect we're going to have great worship. I expect we're going to praise our Lord, and I expect at the end of the service I am going to disconnect all my CBF meetings. I've got an equivalent in, in London. I'm going to disconnect my charging cable. I will drain out out there. I do not expect to actually drain up to charge up. Excuse me, that's mine. Thank you very much. <laughs> now I don't know if you, I go around the world now and discover that most Christians say exactly the same thing. Well, look, I don't drain out anymore. Why? Because I've now got the gospel in a format that I can share. Let me pick it up. There are 11 of these booklets. No booklet is thicker than that. It is simply a deconstructed John's gospel often with only one verse at a time on a page and then raising the question and giving the answer so that I can explain that to my friend and it is transparent to my colleague or my friend as to what we're doing because they're looking at exactly the same. I don't walk in with all the knowledge uh, throwing uh, my Bible at them. I'm on a level playing field. At the end of every episode, and we call them episodes because to the non-Christian, it's like a box set. They haven't got a clue what comes next, particularly with John, because John doesn't start with baby Jesus. So at the end of every episode, here is the passage we would have read in church first. Why is it at the end? It's at the end because I'm expecting people today to glaze over by line two or three because they wouldn't understand it. They don't have a biblical background. They've not been going to church. So we've deconstructed it in books, which, by the way, have you noticed... Every page is denim blue because you can be a prince or a prisoner and you feel comfortable in your jeans. And the entire process is about being where they are at, making them feel comfortable to actually look at a book that has sold more copies than any other in the history of printing. Now, here's the problem of where I was at 36 years into my Christian faith, at the age of 51. My minister gave me this verse. It's Mark 4, verse 24, and it's haunted me ever since he's shown me. Mark four twenty four. pay attention to what you hear. Yes, I went to CBF. I went to church. Here's where it went wrong. Next line, with the measure you use it, ah, well, I didn't know how. I didn't have the Bible in a format I could share. I topped up the battery for me. My faith had come about me. And in the last 20 years, when we've been told as Christians that we are now socially unacceptable, then increasingly, it was about me. I was known as a Christian businessman who would have a conversation with you over breakfast, lunch or dinner. But frankly, it was an argument. And the argument had to start again every single time I met that person. It had no continuity. The reason was, all I was saying to people "Well." My Christianity makes me feel great. I've got a peace that passes all understanding. And the problem, of course, today is that the person sitting opposite me says, well, yes, but I'm into veganism. I go to the gym. I'm into mindfulness. I'm trying a bit of positive thinking and some yoga. And, of course, in political correct land, that's now apparently equal to my Christian faith. Well, it isn't equal to my Christian faith. But I didn't know how to express Christ, which is the difference between my faith, veganism, mindfulness, and exercise. So let's read on with the verse. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Ah, well, no wonder I'm draining out. I don't know how to use it, so therefore I'm not getting it. Oh, my goodness me, look at the third line. And still more will be added to you. Well, I don't drain out anymore. I've discovered the Lord is incredibly active in my own circle of contacts. Senior executives, who the heck would have guessed that? They're not at peace. they don't feel secure. and we've discovered that every single demographic from the age of 12 upwards is saying roughly the same thing. because what they've worked out is the world hasn't given them the answers. So they are not at peace. They don't feel, it might be Islam, it might be Islamism. ISIS, it might be Trumpism in America, it might be it might be the fidelity of relationships, that's the number one thing. Whether it's how long am I going to have this job or do I trust the person I'm with? Well, now I've got the how I'm able to share the gospel. So therefore, with the measure you use it, it is measured to me. And still more will be added to me. Yes, I'm coming back, and I'm getting hold of my minister, or your equivalent of Peter Caldor by both lapels... and saying I've come back for you to teach me more... by the way... meet Tom, Dick and Harry... because I've now introduced them to Christ... they're now interested in discovering more about him... the problem with our courses by the way... which I adore... all the things we've so well honed in church... or church circles... the tide's gone out... there is a gap... it's like we've parked the course on the beach, everybody's in the water. And the water, because of climate change, no longer reaches where we stuck the course. What crosses the beach? I'll tell you what crosses the beach, the cross of Christ. That's what crosses the beach. We have to explain Christ, which draws them out of attraction in Christ. Not you, not your testimony, not your apologetic answers. Christ will draw them out of the water So that they're now interested enough to go on a Christianity Explore, Christianity explain, Alpha or whatever it is course. Or the stuff that we've got so well honed at church. They're in the water looking up the beach saying, that is a castle. What it's doing is weird. I don't think I could ever get over the moat which they now think exists. Do you see how that works? Well, imagine you've come for a coffee. Imagine all I've said to you is this. Haven't you thought that one day you'd have a look at the book that sold more copies than any other in the history of printing? Wouldn't you expect it's probably got some good stuff in it? Now, actually, it's on your book. It's on your little handout. What I'm saying, and by the way, don't feel you've got to parrot and learn this. With over 300,000 of these around the world and countless downloads, they can't all be saying this because they haven't met me. So it it, it won't be any skill, cunning, and brilliance of what you say. I'm simply telling you now about what I am saying. The reason they will say yes is because God's prepared them to say yes. There's something going on in their lives that you can't see. It's always the case, always. It could be for a reason you don't know. Okay, but here's what I say. So haven't you always thought one day you'd have a look at the book that sold more coppers than any other in the history of printing? Wouldn't you expect it's got some good stuff in it? Well, there is one book in the Bible that happens to be unique. In the city, I say, it starts with an executive summary. Everywhere else, I call it an overview. It's only 18 sentences. Did you notice I didn't call them verses? Sentences. I am very excited about them. It is extraordinary passage. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? I'd like to show you the NT sentences. And by the way, I've got some great notes which are a global phenomena on the internet. I'd love to run you through the notes so that we can both see what these mean. All I'll say to you is did you enjoy that and would you like to, to see what happens next? Now let's unpack what I've said. I've said two things that everybody thinks. The book has sold more copies than any other in the history of printing and everybody expects that a bit like the the manufacturer's book in the glove box of the car, it's probably got some good stuff in it. They think that. Did I mention church? No, of course I didn't because they're not thinking about going to church. Did I mention Christ? No, because they're not thinking about Christ. What did I say about the end? Well, I made it abundantly clear that they were in control. They could say to the end, did i enjoy that well actually i did. actually do you know what every single person has said to me in 13 years why has no one ever shown me this before so ask them the question did you enjoy that and then would you like to see what happens next you're not signing them up for a course they're not committing to anything except that was enjoyable i enjoyed the coffee with you i'll have another coffee with you another day see how that works Well, the take-up rate we now know globally is one in five of the people you ask. Uh, It it may well be higher in in Sydney. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It certainly is in London. But globally, one in five. And the staggering statistic is that something like 90% of the people that will do the first 18 verses and then agree to meet again will stick with you to go through 21 chapters. Don't ask me how long it's going to take because it's not your ministry or my ministry. The Lord knows what he's doing. It will take as long as the Lord makes it take. And if they keep cancelling you, don't worry. Just turn the other cheek and say, well, okay, let's, let's put another date in the diary. It will take however long it takes. Now, rest assured it's not about you. A guy called Martin, brightest guy. Let me just have a sip. I'm losing my voice. I said, put ginger in it, and they did. The brightest guy that I have ever seen become a Christian is a guy called Martin. I met him for over 15 months. Martin rings me up and says, Richard, I'd like to buy you a coffee. Well, I thought it was brilliant because I've been paying for them for 15 months. So off I went for my free coffee. Martin hands me my coffee and says, Richard, I knelt at the foot of the cross last night. I said, that's brilliant, Martin. Just out of interest, what took you there? He said, well, it was nothing you said. (laughs) Fifteen months. He said, actually, Richard, it'll get worse for you than that because the first six words went into my mind like like a branding iron on a piece of meat, he said. In the beginning, he said, I've read Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, all those New York Times bestsellers, He said they're idiots. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what he says. He's read all the books. He said they're idiots. In the beginning, yes, in the beginning has to be God. It didn't just happen. It cannot be a molecular creation like that without God. And then in the beginning was the Word. And then John, not you, Richard, what John then showed me was who the Word was, what the Word had come to do. How he actually had authority to lay his life down and take it back up again, which is exactly what he did at the cross. How he was then offering me an empowered relationship with him. That's what I've got. It was nothing you said. Well, what a relief. It's not about you. It never has been about you. We have terrified people about how difficult evangelism is. I am not asking you to be an evangelist. I'm asking you to be a page turner the power is in the word you do have to be brave enough to go and ask your friend you do have to be prepared to be a fool for the lord but i promise you once you're into the first episode you will realize you're not on your own you will discover that the power of the holy spirit is with you how much do you think your god wants you to have his presence as you do what he said the great commission so don't tell me you can't do it. Look, I now travel the world with story after story after story. I love some of, the, some of the ones from Australia. A woman came up to me and said, I've got to tell you about my mother. She's 93 years old. She has carers. She pulls the same stunt in becoming an, a, a Hollywood actress every single time she gets a new carer. She goes all weak and feeble in the bed. And she goes, oh, excuse me, dear. Please, could you read this to me? She's she's currently got a Buddhist nurse absolutely hooked on what's in the next episode of John. I was moved to tears in this city last year because somebody told me about a 96-year-old woman in a nursing home on fire for the Lord because she's now got the gospel in a format that she can share. And she's been given a captive audience. She's having a wonderful time. Business guys... Quite common, business people will work out, this is the best thing in my week. You know, thank God it's Friday. No, praise God it's Monday. Because actually, I'm out there finding out where God is at work in my circle of friends. I'll get up early two mornings a week, go out for a bacon sarnie and a coffee. I will clear a coffee meeting during the day, and I'll clear a a tea meeting during the day once a week. I'm doing four one-to-ones. I've got 17, I'm addicted, I need therapy. But but the point is, why? Because every time we keep asking, we start discovering. So, for example, I had a classic business meeting the other day, literally last week. I was trying to get out of it. And uh, uh, the reason was, is because I had discovered that the owners of the company put the company up for sale. So I thought the CEO was probably going to be busier than wanting to see me. But he'd asked for the meeting, so I rang his PA and said, look, if he's a bit busy now, I'll understand if he wants to postpone or put off the coffee. No, he'd like to see you. So I went, and we had 20 minutes of insurance. And then he turns to me and said, "Um, insurance isn't all that you do, is it, Richard? He looked me up on Google. There's loads on YouTube now. And he'd come to the conclusion, it was really funny, he'd come to the conclusion that the bloke who's on television doing 40 TV programmes in 52 countries, dressed head to foot in denim, couldn't possibly be me. Well, it was me. So he said, Richard, um, tell me, why are you over social media? And I said, well, listen, I've discovered that a lot of our peer group don't feel at peace they don't feel secure. They don't think that they've got life's answers. Haven't you always thought that? And I went into the spiel about the book. And then I gave him one story. I said, let me tell you, me tell you just one story. And I told him a story about someone. I don't know. I mean, it must have been the Lord put it into my mind. I told him the story about a guy called Joe. I said, I don't know if you know him, but on the third meeting with me, he slammed the edge of his desk. He said, Richard, I've had one of the most expensive educations that money can buy, including going to Eton, and I've never seen this. How is that possible? Well, the guy called Theo, sitting the other side of the desk, looked up. He said, Richard, I went to Eton. I've never seen it. Would you buy me a coffee? I wasn't even asking. Do not underestimate what is going on behind the scenes. The Lord is niggling at people. They are knowing that actually what they have put their trust in is empty. It is not as fulfilling as they think. In the city with people who've made money, it may well be they've got all the things they dreamt of and they've realized they've got nothing. It may well be the exact opposite. It may be you've never met your life partner. It may be your health is rubbish. It may be you're out of work. You are actually in exactly the same position as the guy who's got the Aston Martin, the Ranger, over the house and is on marriage number four. Don't underestimate. You have a mighty saviour. Let me show you that absolutely every page is is going to contain something that you will love. Look at the notes on your page. Here is a classic example. We're in episode two. John, the great prophet, is out in the desert and all the government sent people to actually ask who he is. The, the synagogue has sent the top priests out to ask. He's out in the desert and absolutely everyone has decided that this man, without any hesitation, is a prophet sent from God. But they're trying to work out what is he here for. And he says in verse 26, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Yes, that's absolutely right. You see, Jesus hasn't yet started his ministry. He's standing in the crowd. Now, watch this, because I bet you've never seen it before. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now, I've read that verse many times, but I've never thought about it until I got hold of the notes. You see, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie in a country which didn't have any tarmac, surprise, surprise, that had dusty, dirty streets, bullock carts, donkeys, wild dogs, open sewer down the middle of the street, and you decided that your fashion accessory of the year was a thong. (laughs) So you turn up at my house, your feet are absolutely disgusting. So I have given to my lowest servant the job of taking you into a side room, the lowest servant to undo the straps of your sandals and take your shoes off and wash your feet. And the great prophet sent from God that absolutely everyone is saying, that man has without question come with a message from God, says, I'm not even worthy to start the process of the lowest job in your household for this person. Well, I would suggest to you it's quite key who's wearing the sandals. What he's actually telling you is the Messiah's turned up. And he's so awesome, I'm not even worthy to start that process. Now, I could have actually given you an even bigger build-up to that. Because on the previous page, you'll have seen another verse. Look it up on your own. Verse 23. He's actually told them that when the man who's coming deserves a triumph. Exactly what Isaiah had said in Isaiah 40, verse 3. A highway for our God. You and I read it, don't get it in the same way that they did because they were used to the Greeks, the Romans, the Assyrians, the the Babylonians, often parking outside the city a general, a king or an emperor so that they could build a highway for the man who's done everything for them. Who's coming? Well, the only Jew that could possibly merit a triumph is the Messiah. Look over the page and you'll see another one. I haven't got time to fully do it, but I want to quickly show you Uh, verse 29 he can't help himself john the next day he sees jesus in the crowd bosh look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world can i just explain what that means well number one as the booklet shows in the yellow sticky actually he gives a unique title to jesus he says look see that guy over there he's come to die the lamb of god sacrifice to do what take away the sin of the world. There's the ministry expressed in one sentence. You will get excited explaining this to your friends. Your friends will say, "Why's no one ever show me this before?" And I, you've got 21 chapters of this to enjoy. And you will The drop-off rate is incredibly low. In 12 to 13 years, I've had only 11 people who've gone through the first 18 verses of John and decided that they didn't want to meet again. The vast majority of those were Roman Catholic and they said Richard that's amazing. I didn't know that's what it said. But I'm fine I go to confession. Or I'll be fine because one day I must look at it but not now. Okay? They'll put it off. But do you know what a vast a, a huge percentage of the people who say no or who do the first study and then stop come back I was blown away the other day. I had I'd seen a young man 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I did the first 18 verses. He stopped. He rang me up and said, Richard, I've never been able to get out of my mind what you showed me in the start of John. Can I see you for a coffee? Don't be surprised. The Lord's at work. It's not about you. So let me quickly belt through some questions And answers. And and if we've got a bit of time left, then by all means, if you've got any questions, then please do ask. Number one, before I do the questions, here's my challenge. I am going to ask every single one of you to take two of these booklets. You need one. Your friend needs the other. Okay? Don't give it in advance. But now you're armed with the first chapter of John, which is what that is. Ask someone in the next ten days. In fact, I challenge you to start prayerfully keeping a list of the people that you think you might be able to ask and start asking because you've got to start your one in five. You've got to find the one. Now, don't come back and complain at me that the first person you asked said yes, which one woman did to me the other day. It was hilarious. She said, you said I had to ask five. I wasn't ready when she said yes. Well, it might be the first. It might be the seventh because it's a global average. But start praying and start asking. Why do I say that? I say it for the same reason that I'm about to tell you this story. The the minister of the biggest church in Durban rang me up. And he said, Richard, I hope you're sitting down. So I sat down. He said, we've discovered that the gospel is by far the most evangelistic tool that we've ever seen. And, of course, I laughed. You were supposed to laugh, but don't worry about it. He then said, that's not why I rang you. He said, the reason I've rang you is that since people have started to use the word one-to-one in my church, they've spiritually taken off. They're charging. He said the prayer meeting, that, that curse of all ministers, you know, you can get people to come to the Bible study, but then all disappear once a month when it's the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting's been transformed. Instead of, would you please pray for my rheumatism, or would you please pray for the cat's rheumatism, or would you please pray for a job interview, would you please pray for me, George has said yes. I can't believe it, Mildred is meeting me next week for chapter 3 of John would you please pray for me as I explain John three sixteen? it is transforming because what you very quickly realize is you've got to pray that your friend is convicted of their sin you see otherwise what happens in today's equalized society they all think I'm going to do God a favor I'm going to go out on a limb today and tell somebody I believe in God like they're doing God a favor no No, they've actually fallen to their knees at the foot of the cross, convicted of the fact that Christ died for them. That's what they need to do. And I needed to start praying that that would be the case. Right, so, number one. Richard, I can see you're excited. You're an insurance broker. I could never do this. Well, that's not true. Because there are so many around the world from the age of 12 upwards who are using the notes. I gave you a 93 and 96-year-old. The other end of the spectrum, boy of 13, goes to a youth group. They use the word one-to-one. He gets solidly converted. He goes home to his parents. His parents say to him, you're different, my boy. What is it? He said, well, let me show you. Just converted, able to share the gospel because he can. He's got the booklet. Questions. I could never do questions. Well, Luke 12, verses 11 and 12 say you can Here's why. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Yes, most questions are actually in the passage. The answers are there. Secondly, you're a Christian. You're not on your own. Who said you were doing this in your strength? The Lord will be with you. And very, 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 very rarely... Somebody comes out of left field with something you've never even thought or heard of. That's what CBF staff are for. That's what your minister is for. Write it down. Simply say, it's a great question. Let me go and find out what the answer is. Got that? How does it fit with courses in my church or things that I've tried to get my friends to go to? It's the on-ramp. It's how you get across the beach. If you haven't introduced Christ to someone, so they've begun to get interested in Christ, why would you go on a Christianity Explored or Christianity Explained course? Now, very, very, very rarely someone will be touched by the Lord and dropped on a course. But here's the sad statistics of courses today. And I'm very close to them. I share the office with them. I love courses. I'm not undermining them. The reality with Christianity Explored today you get converted your third time through the entire course. You know so little at the end of the first course. You, if you hopefully don't say, I've looked at Christianity, I've decided to cross it off. You think, there is, I quite enjoyed that. I still don't understand enough. You come back. You get to the end of the second course. You still don't know enough. You come back, Hopefully. goes through the course on average you give your life to Christ. Now that is smashed to once if someone's taking you through the gospel week in, week out and been living, loving church introducing Christ to you. So now you're ready to ice the cake by going on a Christianity Explored or Explained course. Do you see that? Or if you've gone on the course and that you get to the end of it, don't shove them back on the course. Pair off, mentor that person, start word one-to-one. Take them through the gospel. The power is in the word. It's not, Rico would be the first one to say, as the writer of Christianity explored, it's not in the course. It's in the word. And it always has been in the word. Richard, you give someone the book to keep, presumably. Yes, the one we're on they keep do you suggest they read ahead no definitely not see you know what it's like on a box set when you're on one episode and somebody's on another episode it's hopeless isn't it so actually they very quickly work out that you are going to bring this alive for them they read to themselves because only christians read out loud i don't know if you've realized that i've been in business 45 years i've yet to be in a meeting where somebody says let's read the contract out loud doesn't happen Christians read out loud because you've fallen in love with the word so just say to them read to yourself the left hand side of the page where the gospel is your job you've explained is to take them through the right hand side and they follow you doing it it's much better if you do that together if they've read ahead the danger is they'll walk in and throw the book on the table and say well I've read that now what do you do? How many studies do I reckon to get through each time? I try and see somebody, if I can, for an hour. You might have 45 minutes. Each episode is being written to be about 10 to 15 minutes maximum. There's one, runs about 25. So I prep for if my hour. I reckon 50, 10 minutes of conversation, 50 minutes to get going. I prep three studies, episodes. I expect to do two. I may do one. Often, my friend may say zero. And then he walks in at some stage and goes, Richard, I've been thinking, and I go, here we go, the the spiritual train, the gospel train, is about to leave the gospel tracks. We're about to head off into the spiritual hinterland. So I, I often now allow those conversations to run for about 20 to 25 minutes. But I've learned to say, oh, look, we've spent 20 to 25 minutes on that. Why don't we at least do one episode today? Because I've realized that when I put the gospel train back on the gospel tracks... The gospel answers his questions and actually it chugs from verse to verse to verse. So over here, of course, I've got a real problem to get people to commit to seven weeks. Here's why. Here's what they're now saying. Wait a minute. You want me to go to a building where you're telling me you're not going to be at. To meet with people I don't know. To discuss a subject I'm not thinking about. And she can now ask me questions. Oh, great. No wonder the courses have often been trying to shorten to try and get people to just commit to three weeks. In, in, in the absolute clarity, the gospel works because they come back week in, week out. You might be with them for 15 months. The gospel train works. So allow the gospel to work. Get the gospel train back on the gospel tracks. My dentist is by far the most talkative man I've ever met. He's obviously a suppressed talker. And, and uh, I promise you, he now says, he thinks about the questions he used to ask me. He said they're peripheral. Show me what comes next, Richard. Um, how long might all this take? Well, I don't know why you're asking me. It's not my ministry. It's not your ministry either. It will take however long the Lord says it's going to take for that person. Do people only use the notes one-to-one? No. Uh, couple-to-couple, uh, youth groups, bible study groups, one thing I would say is unless you're in a long-term relationship with someone, don't do male to female, female to male because this gets very personal. You know, I think my wife of 37 years would have quite a problem if she thought I was meeting another woman for at least 20 hours over a 15-month period over something as personal as leading them to Christ. I don't think it's a great idea. Now... Let me finish with one parody. You buy the books. These are hopeless. Because what you're going to have to do is you're then going to have to go back and get the set. Because you need the first four chapters of John. So these are a taster. Take them away. Use them. But then you need to get signed up and get the first set. There are four sets. You will, sp- Especially in Australia, you will spend way more on the coffee than you will on the books. Okay. John wrote in four sections. So we sell our books in the same four sections. And by the way, no one except one chain of bookshops in this country, who I'm very cross about, are making any money out of the books. They are. No one else is. The, the royalties from the books contribute less than 1% of our ministry's budget. So no one's making money. I'm not a book salesman. I'm, I am a Christian sharing what it would appear the Lord is doing for today's world. Are you clear on that? Okay? So you will have to get chapters 1 to 4 when you finish with that you go and buy chapters 5 to 10 when you finish with that you go and buy chapters 11 to 17 and finally you go and get chapters 18 to 21 these are a taster now once you've uh, actually got the books here's what I expect will happen in about 3 or 4 days time you'll go well that was quite interesting but oh no I've dropped myself right in it I'm going to have to do what did he say invite two people okay I'll start praying and, and, and you ask a couple of people and they say no. Well, yes, because four out of five are going to say no. And then one says yes. And initially you go, yes, they've said yes. And then you go, no, no, I'm going to have to do it. Well, I finish with the clarity of this. It's not your ministry. I've said it like a scratch record. You will not be on your own. If you want to grow in your faith, become a Bible page turner. Because you will see God at work. Your faith will take off. The other thing on the sheets that you've got are do's and don'ts. They are just basic common sense. Don't go to a coffee bar. This is great because the tables are spread out. But in London, they're often shoehorned together. If you shoehorn together with a conversation that's going on here, it will stop because they will work out what you're doing. So think about going somewhere which is not going to be embarrassing for your friend. And I have to say this submit see as a mature Christian of 36 years I look back now and here's what I was like when I started, Lord I want all the blessings, don't touch that area of my life, I've got that sorted I'd like the blessings no, I've had to go Lord this is brilliant, bring it on because the best thing in my life is sharing the word of God, thanks very much Christians love reading out loud yeah. so the, the question is this is a three group going and the other Christian is suggesting that the non-Christian should read it why would you embarrass anybody you're used to reading out loud because you've fallen in love with it and I tell you it happens every time someone gives their life to Christ I'm sitting there minding my own business expecting them to read the next thing on their own they suddenly read it out loud yeah because the Lord's in them now they want to read it loud The whole point is don't force anybody because you're comfortable. It's not about you. It's not about you turning up and showing off your knowledge. It's not about you doing all the things that you're comfortable with. It's about where they are at. Now, I'll give you a classic example. I'll come back to the mic. I'll give you a classic example. The bloke who helped me write the notes is one of the world's best Bible teachers. His name's William Taylor. You might have had him here from St. Helens' Bishopsgate in the heart of London. William stood up in front of 600 ministers two years ago, having been the co author of the notes, and said, I really think these are brilliant. I really do. Do use them. Of course, I don't use them personally. I took him on one side. I said, You are a prize idiot. I know exactly what you're doing. You've got an incredibly tatty copy of John's Gospel with all your pencil notes around the margin. It's what you use to teach me as to why we wrote the notes you give someone a pristine clean gospel, what do they walk off with William? A pristine clean gospel Richard, yeah, so why, who's got the notes William? You kept them you idiot, he's changed it's not about, he was comfortable enough to be not need notes, but it's not about him, it's about where they are at and the entire thought process on everything you should do would be not what I'm comfortable with what are they comfortable with, does that help? Yes? Uh, so my question about um, uh, the support network you might have um, for the work that you do yes. in the workplace. So, uh, beyond your your time with with God, have you found that um, it's it's your church or a, a professional business network or family? What has enabled you to sort of go back and get replenished yourself to go out and keep doing this work? I'm blown away by seeing the Lord at work. So isn't it interesting? The thing that I used to be propped up by the structures that I had in place, my equivalent to CBF, nothing wrong with it. I had a a partnership group that I was in. And actually the same, uh, I had a minister say to me, oh, I look at you, Richard, and uh, it's wonderful. You're the product of the 30 years of, uh, of," and he mentioned a particular brother who used to meet me every single Thursday morning to pray. And I said, I'm really sorry, I've got to disabuse you of this. The truth is, my brother met me every week and prayed with me. He propped me up. If I'd have had the gospel in a format I could have shared, I would have taken off then because I'd have been sharing the gospel. I'd have been back in the prayer group because I'd have been praying for all the people I'm doing it with. And actually what will happen, and it will happen in CBF, is you'll start to do this and then you'll say to CBF, look... Can't we get some of us together? Why don't we lay on a dinner? Or why don't we lay on a breakfast? Or why don't we lay on a lunch? Because the people that you're doing with are talking to their own colleagues, saying, you know what, this is amazing. You know you've seen Richard walk into my office. Well, actually, I've got to tell you what I'm doing. I'm looking at the Bible. I'm finding it absolutely mind-blowing. And they start saying, Richard, can you not do something where I can invite my chief financial officer or my, my business partner? Can you not do that? So now we have a plethora of small events. They are not held inside the Christian place. We're taking rooms in pubs. We, it's expensive, but I've learned it's absolutely worthwhile. In my case with senior executives, I have to hire a private dining room. And four times a year, we manage to fill it with 20 CEOs and top execs. And we get one-to-ones out of it every single time we do it. So the network is that as you become effectively a champion for doing it, you'll be, you'll be sharing that with your friends. Your friends will be going, that's brilliant. Let's pray for each other. As you know, I'm seeing Mary, you're seeing George. I'll pray for you, you pray for me. Now what can we do next together? Well, how can we pull them in? Because you, you're, you're crossing the beach, don't forget. So it, you've got to get them into, you want to get them into the stage where they're going to be at CBF. They're going to come and hear... Richard would and do an evangelistic dinner, or you're going to hear John Lennox explain science has buried God. You, you want something that is, you're the track in, you're the on-ramp to your church, to CBF, to Christian events. And the way you do that is you start sharing together. Okay. Does that help? The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.